Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. This is our last week of winter, the last week of August, and the last week of our Sat-Nav series. And this series has been all about the purpose God has for your life, uh, all about hearing from God, following His direction, like you would uh, Sat-Nav back in the day when there was Sat-Nav. Now we use Waves. What, Waze? Wave. Waze. If you haven't got Waze, it's a good app. I recommend it. Um, and so the last three weeks we've been um, focusing on uh, a few different areas. One of the main ones is hearing from God and hearing His purpose for our lives. And tonight, uh, not tonight, this morning, this uh, is almost like I see it as the, the, the fine print of the, of the series, the terms and conditions, if you will. Because who knows that God can do amazing things. He could provide, a, you know, a million dollars bang in your bank account. But if you don't have wisdom, if you don't have good habits, if you don't have, um, well, if, if you don't know how to, how to handle that, you don't have, you, 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 that million dollars could disappear. And if you want to um, uh, look up something interesting on YouTube, look up the 10, I think it's one of um, like 10 top people who are broke from winning the lotteries. It's fantastic. See what they threw their money away on. Um, because it's not just about hearing from God, it's about making good decisions with what God gives us. And so that's what we're going to do here. Proverbs 16 verse 16 uh, says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. And so today we're going to talk about how to make good decisions. And we've got three great people here who are uh, excited to give you some answers. So let's begin. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what, what you do. Morning. Um, <laughs> it's very loud. Um, my name is Joanne and I am, I've been living in Australia for six months and been coming to C3 for roughly then, C3 Watson, well roughly then. I'm from Scotland of Nigerian heritage and um, yeah, I am also a chef as well. I love food. I live, breathe and eat. <laughs> <laughs> everything so yes <laughs> and Joanne makes some amazing foods I follow you on Instagram and Thank it you. is it's almost not worth following you because it's too I, I feel so disappointed with my food after seeing the food that you, you're creating I'm just having dinner guys and it's this beautiful big thing of I don't know, duck gel, jelly or something anyway yeah, thank you, I love food <laughs> Pramod uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Pramod. It's lovely to um, be here today talking to all of you lovely people. I am not a chef. I am a reheater. <laughs> <laughs> Oven and microwave for reheating, and that's me. Um, so, like you, I am uh, from far away. I was born in Africa of Indian descent. I, uh, as a family, we emigrated to New Zealand um, when I was 19 years old. And I lived in New Zealand for over a decade. Uh, it's where I went to Bible college and uh, met my beautiful wife, Heather. And we got married and had our first child there. Uh, we were involved in um, church planting and in youth ministry. And then we moved to uh, Canberra in 2003 or four, And we've been in uh, this church ever since. Uh, we've got three uh, lovely kids. The youngest is 10. The oldest is uh, 15. <laughs> 
Yeah, birthdays all through the year changes. Um, <laughs> Every year. Every year, changes. yeah, without fail. Um, what else about me? Uh, I, uh, I'm on the church board. I'm involved with uh, a, a, a charity that's working in Africa, providing water. Um, and I lead the Build and Grow Committee for the church, and I do offering messages every, every occasionally. Um, I love God, and uh, I'm a really anxious being here. You know, it's really scary to talk about personal stuff from your life, and uh, I want you to know I'm just like one of you. I'm, I'm struggling through a whole lot of things and working with it, so we all stand here and sit here and talk, you know, as, as fellow journey men and women with you. Thanks. Cool. Um, and I'm Katie Godfrey, so I'm married to Jefferson. If you've tasted his coffee, you'll know how privileged <laughs> I am. Um, Warren and Kathy are my mother and father-in-law. My daughters are Tia and Olivia in youth. Um, so I'm a counsellor by trade. I also train counsellors in the profession of counselling. And, yeah, I love God, I love church, and it's a real privilege to be here and share stuff with you. Fantastic. Let's dive right into the questions. So the first one I have for you is, when it comes to decision-making, what do you take into consideration? Joanne. Um, I check my heart. I see the condition of my heart and um, my motives. So if I decide to do something, I see why do I want to do it? Is it so I can build myself up, get more stuff for myself? Which is it's always nice to have more things. <laughs> but... It's not the way forward um, to have that consumer mentality. So I check my motives and see where I'm coming from. And if I see that it's focused on just myself, then I'm like, nope, that's not the right way to go with that. So I now look and see that I have to do what God wants me to do. So the, the motive of praising God and um, something to, that whatever I do is going to help other people, bless other people, and make their load lighter. And, yeah, so that's why, that's where I go, check my heart. And um, we all live from the inside out, so um, everything we do is stems from within us. So that's how I check. So you're checking your heart yeah. for whether it's something out of kind of selfish, selfish ambition yeah. or for, to love others and build them up. All right. From what? Um, so, you know... The things I consider when I'm making major decisions, uh, or making decisions in general, I think that there's a there's a there are seven things I've written down that I kind of look for in terms of uh, decision making. So it's not necessarily that I do all of this for all decisions. I don't necessarily need all of these to say yes, but really just looking for a range of things to to give give me guidance. And uh, one of the first things is I I say you know what does it matter? Uh, Philippians uh, one eight says. Paul says, you know, what does it matter? Um, the most important thing is that Christ is preached. And so sometimes we make decisions about, you know, spend so much time and energy and, and uh, about decisions that really, you know, aren't um, worth that time and, time and energy. And then I ask myself, is it permissible, you know, broadly? Because that's an initial yes or no that, that, that guides things. But then you start to say, well, what is inside me? Uh, how do I feel about this? What do I feel the Spirit of God saying? Have I think it through? How do I feel about it? And uh, look at my inner uh, feelings and thinking about it. And then I uh, talk to Heather, uh, and you know, we, we discuss it and see if we agree on that. And that's another kind of binary thing. You know, it's either if, if we don't, we don't do it. Um, and we talk to 
to wise and godly counselors. I, uh, you know, try to have a, a, a godly counselor, a mentor in every area of my life. And for example, in, in the area of finances, uh, I, I look to Dave Ramsey and, you know, um, use the principles that he teaches about financial peace and bring that into, into my life. And then I, I look at what is it that uh, God has spoken to me in the past, prophetic words, uh, what God is saying to me now. And I find that it's in my daily Bible reading that often uh, I hear a lot from God speaking into my circumstances. And I, I really want to recommend to you uh, reading in the book of uh, Proverbs. Uh, there's great wisdom in there, great wisdom in there that can guide uh, all areas of our life. And finally, I look at circumstances as well. You know, are there doors that are opening? Are there doors that are closing? And uh, I look at a range of those things, and based on, you know, how they come together is how I, how I make, make a decision. Um, so two things, I guess. Um, I talk to the two big men in my life. Obviously, one is God, and if you've met Jefferson, he's the other big man in my life. And I don't tend to make decisions unless it's, you know which boots I'll wear to church. I don't talk to Jeff about that stuff. But we make decisions together primarily. Um, and then the other thing is um, when I'm either making decisions for myself or teaching other people to make good, good decisions, I use a model of Christian ethical decision-making, which asks three questions, not seven. Um, and they're different. They're all different to yours. So one is uh, what's the most loving course of action? Um, what moves me closer to Jesus? And where is the most life or potential? And that really helps me sort of narrow things down and go, well, you know, if I'm for kingdom, which I am, then these surely are my priorities. So when I'm making my decision, they're the things that I look to and consider. That's great. What were those three things again, Katie? Um, so it's what's most... You've got to obviously consider the stakeholders. So yeah. who, it's, it affects me, my children, my whoever. So what's most loving for all of us? What moves us closer to Jesus? And where's the most potential or life? It's awesome. It's fantastic. I usually ask myself 96 questions, but I'll narrow it down to three after hearing those. <laughs> so can you please give us an example of a decision you made where God gave you a definite yes or a definite no? Um, in 2015, I was having a really weird year and I wasn't sure about the new year. So December of that year, I decided, okay, I'm going to come to Australia I was like, I want to come to Australia. God, do you want me to come to Australia? And I was waiting for an answer from him. And fast forward to January 1st, I was at a praise, New Year's praise night. And um, at the end of the evening, we got given a little parcel with a Bible verse and chocolate. So it was like, both of the amazing things, really <laughs> amazing. So I got given mine and I opened up my scripture and it was from Isaiah 45 verse 2 which says I'll go before you and make every crooked way straight I've broken the gates of bars and cut the bars of iron asunder wires of iron asunder um and as soon as I read it I was like yes I'm going to Australia and I'm going to Australia I'm going to Australia that was confirmation from God for me for that so um and from after that I started planning towards my trip and I saw God's hand in every single stage of the way so I was like that was a definite yes from me and from God sorry for me <laughs> Katie um, so I actually have a story that involves a definite no and then sometime later a definite yes in regard to the same thing um, so after I had my older daughter who's turning 18 next week 
um, I felt like God was saying to me, no more children. And I was saying, no, 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 God, we talked about this. Jefferson and I talked about this. We're having two and girls, if you don't mind, because, you know, that's my preference. And he was like, actually, I don't want you to have any more children. And I was like, no, this is not the plan. I see myself with two beautiful daughters. Um, and then quite out of the... So, you know, I'm wrestling with God, arguing, la, 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 as we do, don't tell me. I don't want to have to make that decision. Um, and then our pastor's wife came to me and she said, I've got this odd scripture and it doesn't really seem to fit because clearly you have a child. But it's that one from Isaiah which says, Sing, O barren, for um, more of the children of the desolate woman than she who has laboured with child. And I'm like, huh, that seems to confirm this idea of me not having any more children. Um, so... We didn't really like that, but we surrendered. We laid it down. We went, okay, God, we're going to have an only child in our family. Um, and then so we spent three years building the church because we'd just been involved in a church plan, and that was the, the thing about, you know, more of the children, so the spiritual children instead of our own. And then three years later, I felt like God released me, and I was just praying, and, you know, God's like, so you can have, you can have another baby. And I'm like, no, because no, no, I got up in church and I preached and I said, I'm not having any more children because God said, you know, we should be obedient. And now here I am going back on what I said. Um, so I really struggled with that. And I said, well, you know, I don't want to be disobedient. I have quite a resolve around this, God. You're going to have to make it really, really clear to me um, that you do want me to have more children. So, and I'd just been reading the genealogy of Jesus and there's, there's sort of seven generations and then seven generations. So I'm like, oh, 14. Just confirm that for me, 14 God, fourteen times God, and we'll be right, and I'll have this other baby that you've been talking about. And, you know, I just sort of, just one of those flippant kind of don't really think it's going to happen things. And then for 14 days straight, I had someone say, comment to me about having babies. And I hadn't for three years because I declared no more babies. Um, so, you know, I'd be talking on the phone with my mum and she'd say, oh, Grandma Walker told me that she's been praying for a playmate for Tia. I'd be like, oh, interesting. And then we'd be down the lake and Tia would point to the family over there and say, Mummy, why does that family have two sisters and ours only has one and I just have Holly Dog? I'd be like, hmm, okay, so there it is again. And then on days when I didn't leave the house and didn't receive a phone call, Jefferson would come home from work um, and he'd say, you never believe what happened the engineer said to me today, you need to have a ba another baby before it's too late because, you know, kids are awesome. And I was like, hmm, okay, so that's 14 days straight. So I said, all right, God, I think I'm hearing you clearly. But, and he was like, yeah, you did because if you'd stopped and listened, you would have heard me say, don't have any more children yet. And I was like, okay, oh, <laughs> listen for the end of the sentence, Katie. But that was a clear no originally and a very, very, very clear yes. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. We have two. Two children now. Yay! <laughs> Girls, by the way. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think it's fine. It's, it's actually biblical to ask God for confirmation when you're making big decisions like that. Um, cool. On to the next question. How has your decision-making process changed since you first became a Christian? Come on. Um, so when I first became a Christian, I used to think, you know, God had this perfect plan for me in that... Um, there was this very narrow, straight way that he wanted me to walk in. If I walked in that way, I would be in his perfect will. And I was, you know, uh, would pray to God about all kinds of things, and, and, and I, would, I would hear from God. And, you know, there's, there's some truth in that, but um, there's more truth than just that. Um, you know, I've found that as I've gone on in my Christian walk, that um, God is trusting me more and more 
to make decisions. And God is training me and teaching me in uh, exercising faith and growing in Him. And I use an analogy, you know, to when I think about my children, when they were, when they were newborn and we brought them home, you know, we decided everything for them. Uh, we decided which room they'd sleep in, what uh, blanket we'd wrap them up in, when they'd eat, what they would eat. Um, and as they have grown, and sadly, you know, they grow so quickly, um, but as they've grown and become teenagers, um, you know, over the course of that time, they've made more and more decisions about their life. They started to, to be able to exercise their own choices. And as a parent, you know, I, I, I could guide those decisions. I'm trying to infuse values and thinking into them about how to make decisions. And they're making their own decisions. So, you know, today they all uh, chose their own clothes, put it on themselves, came to church, uh, you know. Uh, and in a similar way, God is with us as we go and grow with him. He uh, trusts us more and gives us more choices and gives us more freedom, and we need to exercise that. So that has been a big change. And I think what I've seen is that God is not so much concerned about the exact choice you make, whether it's A, B, or C, but he's more concerned about our heart. He's more concerned about our character. He's more concerned about outworking his purposes, um, and those are the things that most concern him about, about those decisions. That's great, Pramod. Really good. Uh, Katie? Um, I guess similar. When I was, so I um, grew up in church but backslid for a number of years. And when I came back, um, I really didn't want to mess up again. So I was a bit, I was quite particular about my decision making. And there was probably a fair bit of fear. And I had almost a bit like promote this sense that if I didn't get it right, you know, plan A was out the window and then I'd have to settle for plan B. And if I made a bad decision in plan B, well, then I'd have to go for C, D, E and end up with this povo, like, fifth-rate life because I couldn't <laughs> hear from God and couldn't make decisions. Um, but I think over the years, as um, I got more and more of the Word into me and understood the ways of God and how He works and um, was able to receive His grace a whole lot more, I kind of realised that if I'm submitted and surrendered to Him and I incline my ear and I really want to hear what it is that He has to say, um, and if I trust the Holy Spirit to do what He says He will do, which is to reveal His Word to me and to remind me of the things that He's taught me, then when I'm making a decision, things are going to spring to mind and I'm going to go, oh, that's right, God works like this, or God is like that, or God has, you know, wants that for me. Um, so there's a lot more ease and flow in the way that I make decisions. And, um, yeah, and I think God, because I've got so much of his word in me and I trust him so much, he now trusts me to make decisions that honour him and build kingdom. So, It sounds very freeing, having being able to make your own decisions. Yeah, Definitely. And that's probably the contrast. I was quite like tight and bound and concerned about everything, very anxious. Um, but now, yeah, a lot more freedom. And, you know, if I make a mistake and I have to go around the mountain again, God gives me another chance to make, yeah, the, right. make the decision. Next, I mean, if he can take me around the mountain to teach me a lesson that I didn't learn the other six times, he can take me around <laughs> again and help let me, you know, make the right decision this time. So there's grace. That's awesome. How do you I learned the difference between being entitled and being entrusted. And when you're entitled, you're spoilt brat, basically. <laughs> you want everything. Spoilt brat, if yes. you don't understand that. Um, what? You just said that really quickly. A spoilt brat. <laughs> um, you want everything for yourself. You want this now. You want it right now, like 
no questions asked. Um, you think you're entitled to have everything you ask for. You don't hold value. Nothing you get has value. You waste. You end up becoming very, very wasteful. Whereas when you're entrusted, you see that what you have is a gift and you should treasure it and, tr and cherish it. And um, you value it more. It makes a bit more sense to you. So I saw that, okay, the fact that I can make a decision is a gift from God. So And he's entrusted me with that ability to make that any decision so I should um, cherish it value it a bit more and um, he wants me to involve him as well in it and um, and involve him because he's given me such a great opportunity uh, and it's like a worship to him and praise to him when I involve him in my decision-making and yeah and we're made for, to worship God that's it really so um, that's how it's changed for me I now see it as a privilege to make decisions and um, and see that also is not just for myself, it's for everybody else around me, generations to come, to leave a legacy as well. You never know what decision you make today, how it's going to affect somebody else tomorrow and where that's going to take them to. So that's, yeah. That's awesome. I love that contrast between in, in, entitled and entrusted. Mm. When I think of that, I think of my parents' dogs. I don't believe in my <laughs> dogs. <clears throat> and they feel entitled to all my food. They'll, they'll sit there and beg and whine, and they've nailed the begging. Um, but then you grow up, uh, and you're, it's, it's, it sounds like a maturing process. You no longer see it as something I'm entitled to, but something I'm entrusted with. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not on the panel, so I won't, won't jump in anymore. Um, when does a decision cross the line and become worth really seeking God's guidance on? For example, you wouldn't ask God... Ask for God's guidance about whether to have a shower or what clothes to wear. I mean, I do. I'm dressed by God, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, but when would you start? When would you start become more cautious? So that question again. When, when does a decision become something worth seeking God God's guidance over? I, I think that's a really good question uh, because sometimes I think we don't think a decision is worthy of God's of us checking in with God. Um, but I think there's decisions that he thinks that we should listen to him and maybe it's not about the shoes or the clothes. Um, but when I was thinking about that question, um, I remembered it, an instance where um, I was just going about my business of an evening. I had, you know, a four-year-old and a screaming child. and uh, What do they call it? The witching hour or something? Um, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, pray for Jefferson. I was like, ugh, pray for Jefferson. Shh. God, <laughs> shh, look after Jefferson. You know, it was a really quick, um, you know, and I think my prayer was give him eyes to see and ears to hear. That was it. Jefferson gets home. It's been pouring with rain. He's, he used to drive, believe it or not, a little mini minor, you know, the really old, tiny little cars. He folded himself in half. And he, the story goes something along the lines of he'd been driving and the Holy Spirit suddenly said to him, change lanes minor decision who really listens to that it's just a still small voice in the back of his head he goes well, fine whatever changes lanes um in the rain he slams on the brakes the car skids i don't know how far up the road but if he'd been in the other lane he would have been under the wheels of a semi-trailer little decision that i made to pray little decision that he made also to hear the holy spirit's voice and to change lanes so I think it's not so much about, you know, where does it cross the line between 
when I consult COD and when I don't, it's a matter of um, just always being tuned into the Holy Spirit, that whole sat-nav thing. Am I connected? Can I hear? Do I recognise the still small voice when it whispers? Um, yeah, so that's my that's how I approach that thing. I don't, did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you're listening to the, the still small voice and reducing the noise in your world so you can hear it. Yes. It's not getting drowned out by... Even the, the children screaming children. Up, yeah. yeah. Remember, God told me once, um, I just felt the same thing, to slow down 20Ks under the speed limit. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get there quickly. Um, anyway, I did. And then about 30 seconds later, a kangaroo popped out and I had to slam the brakes on and um, only just hit the kangaroo. And it hit my number plate off. It was annoying. But it didn't smash my car up. So similar kind of thing. He does speak to us, you know. Joanne Pramod. Um, I think it's just like doing what you've been told to do. Sometimes you have, like, as Katie said, you have this sense to do something and you know it's, you know, you wait, okay, this is something from God. Just do it, you know. And sometimes, personally, I found that God can tell me, oh, go and pray for that person or just, you know, I just feel good, give the person a hug and I go do it. And I'm like, so what next, like? was the outcome like was the result from doing this you just have to do it it's building it's building your relationship with yeah. with god just just do it like i mean like, <laughs> you know that's it sometimes you don't really have to um personally for me i found that spend a lot of time and i mean fast for five days and see what the lord says about this just go ahead and do it and god will guide you along the way and just be sensitive to what he is doing and the senses that you're feeling and as long as you're walking as Tim says the first week of our series walking within God's ways you know it's all good <laughs> so yeah all right um what is one key piece of advice you would give to others who are trying to trying to discern God's guidance Pramod? Um, you know one of the things uh, the beauty of a panel brings is that we all have uh, different ways of, of looking at the world I have um, seven things, um, the number of God, completeness. <laughs> Katie has three, the number of the Trinity. <laughs> there you go. And none of it is right or wrong. Um, we're all originals, and that's what makes us so special and valuable. God doesn't make copies. He, each one of us is, is an original, and we have a, a unique walk before God. And the way I go about it is, you know, I think... Um, for far too many of us, we spend too much time, you know, majoring on the minors and uh, minoring on the majors. You know, people sometimes spend more time planning their uh, holiday than they do planning, you know, their walk with God or their family life or their, or their finances. And um, the way I like to think about it, because I'm a visual person, is I think, you know, I imagine my life to be... Um, you know, I have a vision for my life. I'm going somewhere. And it's like I have this destination I plugged into the GPS, which is, you know, a particular port that I'm sailing my ship to. And then as I'm on my way, as things come up, I'm thinking, well, does this um, contribute towards me getting to that destination or does it uh, hinder me? Uh, or does it just not matter? And there's so many things in, in life that uh, I think just don't matter. You know, I, I quoted that scripture earlier from Paul where he said, what does it matter? Uh, Mark uh, Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, he says, you know, I have the same sort of 
basic T-shirt I, I wear every day. I don't want to think about it. It's not a decision worth even wasting time thinking about. It's the same breakfast. And so uh, it's this whole idea of, you know, majoring on the majors. And um, the thing that I do is I have a, a, a systematic way of looking at things. I have a, every quarter, I look at my life across uh, 11 uh, factors, and I just rate how I'm going in all these areas. And then I set goals for myself, and I set goals um, based on how I'm going in that, and then I sort of strategize and plan and think and work out what I'm going to do to achieve those goals. And that's how I, I just sort of progress. So I kind of think that, you know, I want to, uh, I don't want life to happen to me, I want to happen to life. Yeah. Um, I don't want to just be drifting along and subject to what's going on. I want to make things happen. And um, Zig Ziglar said, it's the discipline of the compass that gives the sailor the freedom of the seas. And so, you know, by having a discipline, it gives me freedom. And... Uh, Every freedom requires a discipline. Um, so that's, that's the way I, I go about it. And then that way I know that, you know, I've got basically a health check going on regularly and I'm making, making those decisions. Yeah. I think it's really key what you said about knowing what port you're going to. And a, a compass knows where its true north is. And so obviously you've spent time in the presence of God with Heather um, dreaming and planning your end, end, end destination. Can you, can you talk about that process for a little bit? Well, you know, when uh, we first got married, <laughs> we sat down and we wrote out a dream, uh, our dream and our vision, um, and I've still got that. And over time, you know, uh, as I've grown and I've worked out the various things that uh, I want as my true north, you know, I think the, the highest um, calling of God is for us to glorify Him, yeah. <clears throat> for us to be who God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. And so that's my true not, you know. Uh, and the, the book that just transformed my thinking about that was uh, Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. Just brilliant. A book that we read when we were, you know, early years ago and just consumed it but never really lived it as a journey and as a transformation. And it's, it is brilliant in terms of being able to set, you know, what is the vision you have for your life. And, um, you know, I wake up every day with a vision for my life and declare the vision and then I live my life that day, you know, working towards the goals that achieve that vision and that's how I think about it. It takes a lot of focus but the great thing about having one vision and one destination is it's very easy to not let, not let distraction creep in and because you can quickly identify that is off course, I don't need to go to that port, I'm going to this port and so it's easy to, to say yep. no, yep. to prioritise. That's great. Joanne, what's one key piece of advice you'd give? Um, read your Bible and do everything that the Bible says. <laughs> That's a starting point for every single thing in our lives, no matter what we're going through. Read your Bible and be very, very obedient. Um, and also, like, we've uh, got a scripture from Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed and Psalm 25, 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? He will show him the way he should choose. So the scripture just says everything we should do. And also, as from coming from a young person's perspective, uh, we need to surround ourselves with older counsel. 
um, spirit-filled older counsel um, who we can trust and who we can go and pour our hearts out to because they have they have been there they have walked they've been 20s or 30s and everything and it's a bit silly to um, think you can do it all by yourself so surround yourself with older people it's like two people in a ditch a dark ditch and trying to get out but there's no way of going out except someone on the outside who has been there shines a light and guides you out and that's the way I see being like taking advice and be humble as well to listen to what they have to say don't go waste their time <laughs> sit listen and pray about it and take the, take their advice so uh, i totally agree i think this church is ripe with fantastic uh, mentors and people who have a lot of wisdom um young men young women there are I feel like promote i mean i could go on about all, all the different people that are here who can would love to the opportunity to have a coffee with you and um, speak into your life. I had a great moment yesterday where my neighbour came over. I was fixing my car up because I put a big scratch in it. And he came over and just started telling me how he thought it was great that I was putting effort into my car. And for about 10 minutes, just talked about how awesome a future he reckons I'm going to have. I thought, that was, that's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so make, make the most of that. Don't wait for them to approach you. Go on the front foot. Um, shout them a coffee, uh, you know, be, 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 yeah, initiate is what I'm saying. Katie, how about you? One piece of advice. Yeah, I would echo the um, mentoring thing. It's, it's awesome. I've done that in different seasons and stages of life. Um, I think for me, um, just one thing about decision making, and I mentioned already that Jefferson and I make decisions together, and I think it's really important that we as couples and within families see each other as complementary, not someone to be opposed, like it's Jefferson and I against the world. It's not Jefferson and I against one another. Um, so when we make decisions, we try to be submitted one to another. We actually hear each other's point of view. We listen to, you know, why are you holding so strongly to that point of view? What, what is it about that that, you know, you're just not willing to let go of and you actually learn more about the other person and often they have some wisdom and insight from God that you don't have because of the way you're wired and the life experiences you've had. Um, and often when we're working with couples in a counselling setting, we say to them, um, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be one? And often the answer is, well, we want to be one. We want to stay married. So I think it's really important to be humble and to listen and to seek wise counsel, not only from your other half, um, but from other mentors and wise folk around you because, you know, we've all learnt stuff from God and some of the lessons are hard. So why not learn um, from others? Um, and not just rely on ourselves, because that's not a God thing. Fantastic. Let's thank our panel. So much wisdom. You guys are great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.